Hello everyone and happy, happy, happy Sunday. I hope that you all have had a wonderful Sunday so far. I hope that you guys had a good church service wherever you attended, that the spirit fell and that you left church different than when you came because we're supposed to be um, encouraged, equipped, convicted, transformed when we go to church. We don't just go to church just as another just check mark off of our Christian list, so to speak. But we go so we can be equipped to share the gospel throughout the week with others and to live for Jesus throughout the week. So, um, again, this is another episode on Ain't That the Truth. My name is Melissa, and we've been in a series on apologetics about why why people... Um, we were talking a little bit about like why people are leaving the church because we talked about deconstruction and we're talking about how we can provide answers and clarity to people who might be struggling with um, believing in Jesus, believing in the Word of God, um, that might have that kind of logically based kind of um, part of their brain that just can, 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 cannot wrap their head around everything that is said in the Bible. So today, um, last week, we looked at the Bible as a whole, how it was written, how it was broken down into books, chapters, and and verses. Today, we're going to look at alleged contradictions. So there are a lot of people that claim that the Bible is chock full of contradictions. We know as Christians and as believers, if you are a Christian and believer that is listening to this, we know and have full faith that there are no contradictions in the Bible. That there are juxtapositions in the Bible that can be explained and uh, can be understood. And, and I want to make one, one claim here that I don't have all the answers. I've made that claim before, but none of us are going to have all the answers this side of heaven. I don't believe that all of us are just going to be so, there's going to be any person on this side of heaven, here on earth, that's going to have all the answers of all the mysteries in the Bible, the mysteries of Jesus. No. So, I believe that we're all continuing to learn and we're all continuing to grow. I have not arrived. I will never claim to have arrived. So, I wanted to make that very clear. God has, however, given me a passion for apologetics, for this kind of stuff when it comes to evangelism. And so what I have learned, I am going to impart to you. A lot of what we're talking about today, um, I found as I was studying evidence that demands a verdict. It's one of my favorite books that I've read in regards to apologetics. It was written by Sean and Josh McDowell. Um, it's a very, very thick book. And yes, I went through it from cover to cover to figure out, you know, how can I be confident in what I believe to be true? I already had the faith and I already had full belief that what we believed was true. This just helped and aided me in being able to answer questions that other people might have. So first, I wanted to talk about um, about 16 um, common mistakes that critics commit when alleging contradictions. Now, I wanted to, to kind of talk about that statement for a minute. Common mistakes critics co- commit when alleging contradictions. There are people out there that are trying and their main goal is to find contradictions in the Bible and find a reason why. 
by what we believe is false. They're uh, they're 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 the they're accusers that are they're, that they're that's their almost their life goal in a sense is to find the contradictions, find ways to be able to say what you what what we believe is not true. They're they're critics and they're out there, but there are some people that are genuinely searching for truth and genuinely wanting to to understand. And so it's it's important that we separate those two. Not everybody who is struggling to understand is one of those critics that's trying to find the contradiction. Some of them are just trying to find truth and just need that extra push. And honestly, critics are humans just like us that have fallen into a path, a cynical path, and they also need our help in in in, in discovering the truth. So let's go through some of these common mistakes that critics make when alleging contradictions in the Bible. The first one is assuming that the unexplainable is not explainable. This one is huge. Oftentimes, we as humans, when we cannot understand something, we we try to shy away from it. Because we have such finite minds that we're not going to be able to understand, like I said, in full everything about the Bible, everything about God, because He's infinite. And we are finite, which means that our brains have the a limited capacity to understand. But the Holy Spirit can help illuminate things to us and, and, and does oftentimes. But critics who um, are alleging these contradictions often assume that the unexplainable is not explainable. Just because you don't have the answer to something does not make it not true. For instance, I do not like math. Math is just, it's my demise. I never understood math. I have a little bit of number dyslexia where I used to on tests in high school write 36 when I'm at 63. And I just, numbers and me just do not mix. I, I just, I despise math with everything that's within me. I don't understand math. There's a lot of concepts in math I don't understand. Do I believe that that math is faulty no i just don't understand it but that doesn't mean that i think that math is bogus no i believe it's legit i just don't understand it and it's kind of the same way with this is that people when they read a passage of scripture they don't understand it for instance the concept of the trinity three and one is something that's hard for people to understand and if when people don't understand it they just assume that it's not explainable and therefore maybe not even truth, but we cannot assume that the unexplainable is not explainable. We just maybe haven't found that explanation yet. Number two, is presuming the Bible guilty until proven innocent? You know, we, our justice system here in the United States is you are innocent until proven guilty, which means until um, there's uh, substantial evidence that, that you committed the crime, you are considered innocent until there's substantial evidence. See, people have gotten that backwards, though, with the Bible. Again, these critics, they want the Bible to be guilty of being fallible. They want the Bible to be guilty of not being truth. And therefore, they presume that it's guilty until it's proven innocent. Because, you know, I, I've watched YouTube videos of people who have, you know, gone through this deconstruction process and who have studied the word of God in a new light and they've found these alleged contradictions and I'm using the air quotes even though you can't see it um and so 
they 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 start reading the Bible once they've deconstructed their faith as it is guilty of not being truth. It's guilty of being fallible, and they're not open to the fact that hey, nothing has disproved the Bible. So maybe there is something legit about this. It's all about perspective. Number three, another common mistake is confusing our fallible interpretations with God's infallible revelation. So like I said, God is infallible. We are fallible. And there have been preachers and teachers out there that have interpreted the Bible falsely. They have. They're called false teachers. The Bible warned us about that, especially in the New Testament, talking about false teachers and how they were going to come. And so we sometimes confuse fallible interpretation of man and 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 kind of confuse that with, oh, God's word is fallible or his revelation is fallible. No, God is not fallible. Every word that he said will come to pass. All of his promises are yes and amen. Each word of the Bible from cover to cover is truth. And we can find um, solace in that and great strength in that. And so we cannot say, oh, you know, it's false because I've heard somebody teach it in a false way. Just like another example, and we're going to talk about this a lot next week, again, with special guest Pastor Cherokee Parker. But we're going to talk about people that have been hurt by the church. You can't assume that all churches are bad because you've had a bad experience at a specific church. It's it's generalizing everything. Um and saying it's all bad. Like what if one apple in the whole batch is bad does not mean that the whole batch is bad. That one apple is bad. Number four, failing to understand the context of the passage. We should not be interpreting scripture with just one verse and saying, I'm going to base my whole theory on this one verse. Because if you look at one verse without looking at the context, you might mistakenly mistakenly interpret it for example one verse that um, is commonly misunderstood is that if you ask anything in my name it will be given to you and so people think oh all I'll have to say is in the name of Jesus this Mercedes is going to come to me right now no if you read in the context you understand that in anything in what it says asking anything in his name that means anything according to his will for our lives not just anything you know it's not god's will for me to have a mercedes right now i'm all cool with that i'm not going to try to pray that into my life using the name of jesus and expect it to happen that's not his will for my life and so we have to uh not just take one scripture and say i'm going to base my whole um you know theology and doctrine on this one scripture but we have to look at the context of that scripture to ensure that we're not making mistakes in our interpretation number five is neglecting to interpret difficult passages in the lights of others so basically the same thing you know looking at one difficult passage of the bible one passage of the bible and and interpreting it one way without looking at different other passages in the bible that talk about that same thing to help us understand Alright, the next one. Assuming that the Bible is a human book with human... Forgetting that the Bible is a human book with human characteristics. So, the the, the Bible, it was inspired by God, but it was written by 
by humans, which means there's human characteristics to it. Um, they put a, each writer put their own kind of personal spin, um, personal personal personality into their writings. For example, if you take Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's a lot of things such as the death and the resurrection of Jesus that was written in each book. None of them contradict each other, but each kind of give a different perspective on those events. Does that mean that there's that it's false? No, it just means that it was given different four different humans perspective on that one event. Again, none of the um details are contradictory. They're just different spins on the same story because it was humans writing it, so they have their own characteristics. Number 8. Assuming that a partial report is a false report. Again, if you take Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, in some of the passages, you know, Luke only wrote about a specific part of an event, and in John, another part of the event. That doesn't mean that, that their r- report is false because it's partial. It just means that they were iterating one thing uh, over another. Because if you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each of those books were written for a specific purpose. You know, if you look at the book of Matthew, it was it was written more as, as as teachings and as different sermons and it was written for an audience of the Jews who um needed to know that Jesus was the Messiah that had been talked about in the Old Testament. If you look at the book of Matthew or not Matthew, I'm sorry, uh Mark, it the the whole um reason in, behind that book was to show Jesus as the as a servant and as as one that does and then if you look at it from a different perspective there's going to be different things that are brought forth based off the um the main reason why that author wrote the book all right um so number nine demanding that the new testament citations of the old testament always be exact so we know that there are over 300 um, passages in the Old Testament that uh, prophesied the coming of Jesus and what he was going to do for us. Those New Testament citations of the Old Testament may not be word for word, but that doesn't mean that they're contradictory. Number 10. forgetting that the Bible uses non-technical everyday language. So, the Bible has been translated and was also written by humans. So we got to understand that the language in which the Bible is written and that we're reading the Bible today is a little bit different than the language of what it was originally written in. And so that might uh, cause some minor differences, but nothing that is going to change the entire meaning. Neglecting to note that the Bible uses different literary devices. The Bible, um, I, I love to tell people this, that the Bible is so interesting. It's, it's a romance. It's, it's, it's a comedy. It's action. It's a, a thriller, like all in one. Um, so no matter what kind of, of you know, type of reading that you like to do you can find that in the bible the bible is the most interesting book ever and so it uses different literary devices and so understanding um that okay 
the, the book, of, book of Psalm is a poetry book. So the way that you interpret poetry is different than the way that you interpret prose or a, a narrative piece of work. Forgetting that only the original text, not every copy of scripture is without error. We kind of talked about this before, that the Bible has been translated and so therefore there could be a little bit of a slight a difference in what we're reading today with the original text. So um, those were just a handful of some of the mistakes that that critics have made when alleging contradictions is not taking those things into account. So, um, how do you have this conversation? I wanted to kind of like not just tell you kind of what these critics are going to say, but, but kind of give you a little bit of, a, of, of help on, okay, so how do we have this conversation with, with, with people who have it so stuck in their head that there are these critics that have it so stuck in their head that um, the Bible has contradictions? Well, number one, just taking this list and explaining some of this stuff, stuff to them. Because some of them, they legitimately believe that there are contradictions and there are people that just need to be taught that, hey, these alleged contradictions, there's an answer to them, you know? And not doing it in a harsh, but... But remember that we are representations of Christ, so we should be coming to people in a loving manner, even if they are believing differently than we do. And it's frustrating for us, yes, of course, to come at it in a loving way. And and one of one of the ways to really reach people I found is to let them talk too. Not just, you know, spouting out uh what we know to be true. But, but but coming at it from, I want to know your perspective. I want to listen to you. And then once I've listened to you and tried to get an understanding of where you're coming from, I'm going to tell you the truth. Because if people feel like they're validated, and if people feel like they've been heard, they're more likely to trust you, and therefore more likely to listen to what you have to say. Um... Because I believe that there's a right right way to, to proclaim the truth and there's a wrong way to proclaim the truth. There's, there's a way to proclaim the truth that is going to draw people to Jesus and there's a way of proclaiming the truth that's going to push them farther away. And so, like I said, when you're having these hard and tough conversations, because it is a tough conversation when you have somebody who believes so firmly that there's contradictions, it's going to be hard to persuade them differently. It's going to be hard to help them consider something different than that and it's going to take time and it's a hard conversation but if we come equipped with the power of the holy spirit equipped with the love of g in the peace of jesus if we come at it with a sense of hey i love you so much that i don't want to see you fall away i want to see you come to heaven with me I want you to have the truth revealed to you, and so I'm going to love you through this, and I'm going to listen to you, but I'm also going to tell you the truth, and tell you the truth in love. It's all about the motive and the way in which we do it, 
And so, um, as we're wrapping things up for today, because this is the main thing that I wanted to talk about for today, are these common mistakes. Um, as we're wrapping it up, I want you to know that this channel is all about proclaiming the truth. But there's a way, like I said, to go about it. And I don't ever want to be so forceful in the truth that... I, I do it in, 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 in a mean mean way and sometimes I understand that we get so passionate that that can be misinterpreted as us being mean um, but if we are being led by the spirit he's going to help us to, to be able to rein in our passion to where it doesn't seem mean but that our passion comes out in passionate love uh, for people and passionate love for Christ so next week we're going to continue um our, our talk about this but kind of talk about it in a different kind of perspective so like I said next week we're going to have Pastor Cherokee Parker who's going to talk to us we're going to talk about um, uh, wounds with the, that people have within the church different wounds that they have and in, in, in ways to help with that and help walk people through the wounds that they have because um, that's another reason why people are falling away. Some people are falling away because they think that there's contradictions in the Word of God. Because they think that science contradicts the Word of God. And that's what we're talking about in this apologetics. But some people are falling away simply because they've been hurt by the church. Because the church is ran by imperfect people. And we'll talk about that next week. So we're going to have our special guest with us. And we're I'm excited about that. And then the following week we're going to look at tests for the re- reliability uh, of historical documents including the New Testament to to talk even further about how we can have confidence that the Bible is reliable that it is accurate that it is truth so um, I wanted to thank you guys for joining me today again I love talking about the truth I love talking about apologetics and I love getting to talk with you guys every week and, and, and share kind of my heart um, and, and it always it's about the truth that's why this channel is called Ain't That The Truth because if we're not people all about the truth then, then really what are we so again I love you you all and I thank you guys for listening and I look forward to seeing you all next week